Hello, hello, and welcome to the Fight Like a Girl podcast. I am Chloe Moore, and today I had the great fortune to sit down with the wonderful and lovely Heather Raftery. Um, we talk about lots and lots of things, so I'm just going to go straight into the episode. There we yeah. go. Everything's everything's working now. It's fine. So, um, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself, or would you like me to um, like stumble through it because it's it's one of the things I do very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Actually, oh. <laughs> you have to bear in mind that for literally the first six months of knowing you, I said your surname wrong the whole time I thought it was Rafferty <laughs> everybody does everybody but it's Raftery like, oh, wow. yeah Brilliant. <laughs> I'm an idiot yay um, so you are of course the wonderful uh Heather Raftery uh the jiu-jitsu gypsy um black belt from Andre Galval uh at yep. Atos in San Diego is it San Diego Yep, that's where the headquarters is located. Yay. Yeah, see, sometimes I'm smart. <laughs> oh, perfect. I couldn't I mean, have said it better myself. Uh, Maybe a little more conviction, but, you know, uh, it was my life, so I don't <laughs> I am convictionless. Um, it's, it's, it's one of my good, one of my good points. Um, so... I'm very interested in your story because you've been so many places, you've done so many things. And um, yeah, like, I'm just going to start off like I always do. And that is by mm -hmm. asking, um, was jujitsu your first sport? I don't believe it was. No, no, it wasn't. Um, yeah, I grew up on a, a ranch and a couple different ranches in southern Arizona. And that's um, in the kind of southwestern part of the United States, for those who don't know the geography of the U.S., which is fine. It's not <laughs> Texas, but we do have a lot of cowboys. And uh, so I grew up on a ranch. My dad was a, a cutting horse trainer. And so it's this very, um, very niche kind of a, you know, elite sport, uh, equestrian sport. And so it's a, a Western sport and so we get to wear, you know, cowboy hats and boots and, and chaps and he, uh, he trains both horses and people to do this sport. And Ooh. so growing up, you know, it was pennies on the dollar for me to have a horse or to throw my horse in or to go to a competition because all of our clients were, were basically paying the way. And so I grew up riding cutting horses and, um, I did that for about probably about a decade. Um, you know, I, I grew up riding horses. I, I probably was on a horse when I was still in diapers <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't start competing <laughs> until I was about 12 years old. So 12 to about 21, 22. That's and, amazing. uh, I became a world champion in that. <laughs> so that was. I'm cool. seeing a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That world champion mentality. <laughs> and it and just like with my, you know, my world champion and champion um, chip medal in jiu-jitsu, it it wasn't ever 
you know, the end all be all for why I, why I did it. You know, I just did it because I enjoyed it. Mm. And, um, so I, you know, I just couldn't, that one year I, I went to all the tournaments or all the competitions. We call them horse shows, all the horse shows that, you know, my dad was going to, and I rode a, a horse that we had basically raised ourselves. His mm-hmm. name was, uh, his registered name is Little Commando, and um, but he was Spider-Man to everybody. And yeah, that was a pretty awesome year. Went to the world show and had one of the highest marks. They have different divisions, you know, just like with Jiu-Jitsu. So they have uh, not age divisions. They do have age divisions, but by that time I was out of the age division and competing against all of these grown-ups <laughs> with these massive mansions everywhere across the country. And here I was, this little ranch girl, you know, and <laughs> with, with my little homegrown pony and he didn't even have horses on him. So we didn't, huh? like, he was barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unusual for for horses these days, usually they put the iron shoes on them. Well, he just wanted to feel and, the grass uh, beneath his feet, you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it it allowed him to perform better. It's like I don't know if you've ever read uh, "Born to Run" about the native tribe down in Mexico, and they basically wear these thin pieces of leather on their feet and run up and down these mountains, and they're able to feel the ground. And so, I think there's something to that for both human and animal alike. Mm. I wouldn't um, like to try it here. I would tread on <laughs> glass or needles, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, right. There is some questionable <laughs> behavior going on in the country. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was a, a equestrian rider. I was a cutting horse competitor when in my younger years. That's amazing. So when do you start jiu-jitsu? After college, um, so I taught. I I started college, and I was still riding a bit. Um, but now I was paying my own bills, and so it became a little expensive. And so I uh, finished college, and by that time, I had started traveling, which is my first love. You know, mm. even above jujitsu is is traveling. I love to be places and meet people and see new things and. You know, just experience life. And um, so my dad was worried <laughs> because here I was this, you know, five foot two little white girl traveling to all of these semi-dangerous to dangerous <laughs> places. And he was like, well, you know, <laughs> I know you're going to do it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um, you need to kind of learn some self-defense, something. Uh, so I all right, dad, you know, and join this gym not too far from the university that I, I graduated from. And it was a, um, used to be an old gold gym. So there's a bunch of meatheads lifting weights and grunting. And then they had this mat, (laughs) (laughs) they had this mat area, um, where they did, uh, Thai boxing and, uh, or Muay Thai and then, and kickboxing and boxing. And that's where I started. I thought, oh, you know, I'll just learn how to kickbox, you know. I'll learn how to kick people in the face, you know, <laughs> if they get too close. Um, and then they, at the same time, they had this cardio kickboxing class. 
they had jujitsu. And after about a week or two of the cardio kickboxing, I, I got bored. And, you know, my eye was wandering constantly over to the other mat where this big, tall, Jesus-looking instructor, <laughs> he, uh, Jason Bukit, uh, was teaching at the time. And um, said, that looks fun. That looks like absolute fun. And walked over there and, you know, stepped on the class or on the mat for my first class and kind of never left. <laughs> that's amazing and uh he jason was there for only a couple weeks a few weeks uh before he left mm. uh he he got a teaching position in out in like Tai, i think taiwan is where he was invited to teach so he's teaching out there and in his stead he invited J josh hinger to come teach at, in tucson arizona and mm. so he drove out from California where he he is from and he went to school he was living at the time and came out he was a purple belt and, and took over the jiu-jitsu program and at the end disputed here in Tucson Arizona that's awesome so I'm yeah. assuming that your first like few months were literally just dedicated to like guillotines and all of yeah. the other fun <laughs> stuff <laughs> yeah and he was a very good wrestler too. So mm. there was quite a bit of wrestling involved. There was, there's guillotines and twisters. And he was at the time, you know, we didn't really have a lot of um, instructionals online and stuff like that. So I think he was uh, studied a lot of books and he had Eddie Bravo's book. Mm. And so we were learning like some rubber guard and like <laughs> <laughs> random things. <laughs> fundamental wise um but i i learned all this cool shit <laughs> you know as a white belt <laughs> so i didn't learn two and a half in years of that <laughs> no <laughs> i missed all of that but i can heel i could do a twister <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's an overqualified so white kind belt. of a little bit of an struggle no gi I have too many body issues to make it like uh -huh. a thing but also like it feels like I'm wrestling a seal and it puts <laughs> yeah, me off which is like best part <laughs> I mean it's fun don't get me wrong but at the same yeah. time like, my mind wanders and I'm like is this what seals do feel like or like an otter <laughs> I like having something to hold on to Otherwise, people would just yeah. run around. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like two and a half years under Josh Hinger, um, mm -hmm. you move away. Do you move away or? Yeah. Well, so we both. So Josh went to grad school in Indiana, and 
he had applied at the same time I had applied to a grad program in uh, Colorado. And so he left first and I was kind of in charge of the jujitsu. No, I had received my blue belt. So I was teaching jujitsu as a blue belt to this class of students for, I think it was about a good month um, before I left for, for Colorado. Just twist. So I left for Colorado. Yeah. (laughs) And everything I knew really well, which was just basically guillotines and, you know, (laughs) how to pass and, Smash people. <laughs> he also shows some very dirty tricks. Uh, I bring them out of my pocket every once in a while. It's, you know, I let talking with somebody the other day. You know, I'm a very cordial competitor. You know, I let them kind of my my opponent decide whether how what it's going to be like. How, what's the experience is going to be like? If they start pulling some dirty shit, I'm pulling dirtier shit out. <laughs> but until that point, I'm very, pretty nice. You know, I will still win, but I'm pretty nice. <laughs> Your few months as a blue belt instructor, where where are you moving on to from there? So I went to graduate school. Um, I studied international development uh, in Colorado, and which is just, you know, it's a basically one step o- or one state above where I live and then over to the, the east a little bit in the mountains. Um, and then I was there for about two years and that was the first time I'd ever put on the gi. <laughs> so they didn't have programs out there that were entirely no gi. So I, I was forced. If I wanted to train jiu-jitsu every day, <laughs> I had to put on the gi. <laughs> so for the first I think it was, um, yeah, for the first couple months, first maybe two or three months, one, it was in altitude. So I, for an entire month, I felt like complete dog shit because (laughs) I, you know, (laughs) if you've ever gone from, I mean, we're pretty high in Tucson, but not a mile high, not like (laughs) up in the mountains and, you know, thin air. And so like I would be really good for about three minutes. And then the rest of the class, I would just, there wasn't any, I didn't have any lungs left. That sounds like <laughs> me at sea level. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible feeling. <laughs> and um, so I, you know, I, I adjusted to that, but I wasn't adjusting as quickly to, you know, somebody pulling on my clothes and wrapping me up in it and choking me with my clothes you know so training in the gi was uh you know it was eye-opening it was very humbling you know I was not top dog anymore (laughs) I there was all of these you know techniques I had no idea what they were no idea where they were coming from I mean so like I I think I got bow and arrow just about every day by somebody (laughs) (laughs) these were a good couple months um so I was there and I, I, that's where I earned the name, the Jujitsu Gypsy. So there were a few of us, I think there was four or five girls, um, there in Colorado and we all trained at different academies. And back then, you know, it, you were lucky if you had two girls at an academy. Mm. And so because we were all competitors, I mean, there was, there are many more female uh, practitioners in Colorado at the time. But only four or five who compete 
at the, the IBJJF level. And we all trained at different academies. So we decided to kind of start training with each other. And so I would go and I would, I would train here and train over there. And they'd come over here and train. And we were kind of the original, you know, gypsies. And uh, I just kind of took a hold of the jujitsu gypsy name. And, you know, I think it was kind of self-fulfilling, too. Because once I had a name like that, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, just... Stay where I was and still be a gypsy. <laughs> so, um, so how, you know, whenever I traveled, mm-hmm. I was just gonna say. So, like, there are gyms in the UK um, that have some issues when it comes to training at other gyms. So, oh, I'm assuming sure. you didn't have yeah. any of that, like, uh, with um, your other female uh, competitors when you were training together. Not so much. You know, um, you know, Colorado at the time, anyway, I'm, I'm not sure what it's like now, um, but it was fairly open and receptive to to other uh, people. And and being a, a female athlete, too, you know, where mm-hmm. there are so few of us that, you know, they kind of welcome us in a little bit better than maybe a male athlete, mm-hmm. just because they wanted their own women to kind of feel what it was like to train with another woman. Yeah, you know, and so it was. We kind of got a get out of jail free card in that sense, because <laughs> <laughs> there were I, yeah, I I'm sure there were people who were uncomfortable with the idea of me coming into their gym or somebody yeah. else coming into their gym, um, you know. But I kind of just, you know, I I did what I wanted. <laughs> I <wasn't laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, even to the point at at which, you know, I was training pretty regularly at two different gyms. And one was an MMA gym that had a lot of no gi. And the other was the gym that I started at that had a lot of gi. Mm. Almost entirely gi, actually. I don't think I ever took a no gi class there. Um, And when I received my purple belt, uh, they were competitor gyms. But I was teaching there at both and training at both. And, you know, the, the instructor at the gi gym kind of understood that, you know, I was a competitor in both. And the only way to get enough training was to go train with these guys at this at Factory X. Mm. And so when I received my purple belt, uh, the guy, the black belt there, he's a Dean Lister black belt, um, came over to the award ceremony at the Health and Gracie Academy that I was training at. And both black belts gave me my purple belt. Oh, <laughs> so it was kind that's of a adorable. Joint, you know, yeah. So it was kind of, it was really nice. And they were friends, you know, pretty mm. friendly uh, with each other. But they were competitor gyms. It'd be like, you know, somebody from Alliance and somebody from Atos coming together and giving somebody a black belt. <laughs> you know, it just, or a belt, you know, it just mm. didn't. It was unusual. <laughs> and you did that. You inspired that in them. <laughs> yeah. I I think, you know, they just respected, you know, who I was and I worked hard and, you know, I, you know, I taught at both. And so I, I gave so much to the community there that I think they, you know, it was kind of a, this little outlier <laughs> and they were okay with it. That's amazing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's definitely not something you hear every day. <laughs> No, no, it definitely isn't. I mean, on paper, on IBJJF, they can only allow you to give, like, put one name down there, mm. you know, so I had to put the name that I was, you know, actively competing under, 
Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had, there's a photo out there and both of them are standing beside me with my little, like it was a, I think it was like an A0 and I definitely wasn't an A0 at the time. So they had to like tie it way up on my waist really tight. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, So after there is, it's Miami next. Yeah. Well, it's short stint back in Tucson. Um, So in Colorado, I, um, you know, I graduated or I, I was near graduation. I didn't have to attend classes anymore, but I was still working on my substantial research paper, you know, to finish the degree. And um, I left Colorado. I had, you know, actually had my, um, you know, looking back now, it wasn't a broken heart. It was just a broken, you know, um you know, crush. <laughs> I had a crush on this guy and he was, he did some dick things. And, um, you know, I thought I had a broken heart and I, I decided to leave, which, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't have gone and done all of the things that I've, I've done yeah. if I had stayed in Colorado. Um, so I left Colorado, went home, you know, to lick my wounds. And uh, <laughs> stayed with my parents, my my high school roommate stayed with them again. <laughs> and, um, I did. I worked. I volunteered at this uh, nonprofit there in Tucson for a few months, teaching jujitsu. And then I was offered a job out in Miami, and I thought, you know, why not? I've never been to Miami. You know, I I have I know absolutely no one out there you know <laughs> and uh so i i said yes and i packed up i had a 1970s beetle at the time Ooh. packed it up with everything i had you know i had a little roof rack and i put some stuff up there and i filled the back seat and uh packed it up and drove from tucson arizona across the country to miami which took about i think it was like three days driving Slept in the front seat of my 1970 Volkswagen. America's too big. It's far too big. It's massive. I could drive from the bottom of the UK to the top in a day. It's it's fine and it's doable. I've done it. But that sounds horrific. As much as I enjoy driving. (laughs) In Texas is took probably two and a half days of that not quite not quite two and a half but it was a long time texas is huge you're blowing my mind and uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i went out there and uh found an academy i i kind of reached out to some friends asked you know where should i train in miami and you know my idea when i was headed out there was to uh you know try out a couple of different academies you know Mm. see what it's like and uh first academy I stepped into was fight sports with Cyborg and absolutely like love the, the pace of it, the intensity, mm. you know, the instruction and you know, I stayed there. You know, I knew it was it was a place that I needed to be. <laughs> well, when you know you know. Like it's it's an odd thing. Like, especially when you find something that fits you so well. Like 
I um I had a similar situation when I moved in the UK. I lived in Liverpool. I moved down to where I live now, and mm-hmm. like I was told, oh, try out a few gyms, and I was like, okay, cool. And like there are a few in the area, and then I tried out the one that I'm at, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, this is how you're right. supposed to feel when you do jujitsu. <laughs> Excellent. I think I'll just stay here. Like, I why keep looking if you've already found something like that matches your personality. And there were other women training there as well. So it's like Uh kind of win-win for me. (laughs) Yeah, it was a no-brainer decision, right? (laughs) You know, and you can feel it. (laughs) Exactly. And everyone's just so nice. Mm -hmm. But like one of the gyms I heard was like um, super intense all the time. And I was like, I don't have Uh the energy for that. I'm so lazy. My friend gave me the nickname the death sloth because I move so slowly. <laughs> it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm moving at half pace just to make sure. Yeah. I need to conserve my energy. I'm getting I'm getting on. <laughs> yeah. I'm too well, big to move are nimbly. Fascinating. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you there was a, I listened to a great TED talk and it talked about, you know, the sloths and how they get a bad name for being you know lazy and this and that <laughs> but they're they're actually pretty fascinating creatures and incredible oh, yeah. longevity and ability to heal because they just don't move very fast <laughs> they don't con- all of their energy is is directed toward the very vital functions that they do <laughs> i mean it's like you're describing me it's it's great it's great <laughs> should be proud of that name, Death um, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud, but I definitely, like, I eat fast, so that's, yeah. that's where we diverge. <laughs> like, yeah. And especially like, during this lockdown, I, I've eaten so much. <laughs> like, Oh, I think everybody has. Everybody's uh, a weight class above or two. <laughs> yeah. I was already in the top class. It's fine. I just... I just got bigger and heavier. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bigger problem to deal with. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like it has its benefits. Like I um I had to take some pills the other day and it said make sure you take with food. Not an issue for me. I've sure, always got yeah. some food in there. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Although it means I can't ever go swimming because, you know. Oh yeah. I'm always you like wait. Within... you can't wait thirty minutes. <laughs> no, no. That's snack time. <laughs> if anyone ever sees me in a swimming pool call the police because I'm breaking the law <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh, sorry I've derailed you um, <laughs> so, um, I like it you started training a little side streets <laughs> in the conversation <laughs> so you go to fight sports um, with uh, Cyborg what yeah. was that like it was, you know, I had never, I had always kind of trained pretty intense, um, you know, I'd, here and there with Josh, for sure, like, had the wrestling mentality on the mats, and, but going to fight sports, that was like a, a new animal. That was, you know, for the first time, I kind of realized, you know, the, what kind of training it took to be at the top of the podium at some of these major tournaments, and, um, you know, at the same time, I also had a full-time job. So, you know, in order to kind of compensate, and I was starting to get older, I think 
I forget how old I was when I was out there. I think mm, probably 26, 27, you know. Um, That's not old. <laughs> it, well, yeah, not when I look back now. <laughs> but you look at some of these little kids and they're purple belts at 18 and they've been training for 20 years. Uh, <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you do the math. <laughs> I'm just glad I'm in the master's divisions and I don't have to worry about them. Yeah, no, I, well, I still have to worry about him, but I'm going to try to, <laughs> there's not, there aren't enough, I think, black belt masters women. Well, now I guess there, there's a good cohort of them, mm. but uh, at the general tournament, mm. there, there aren't enough to make up a really solid class. And I want at least, you know, three or four matches. Yeah. So I got to, you know, jump in with all of these young whippersnappers. <laughs> um how dare they so, be young? I know, man. The, the if I audacity. had started jujitsu, <laughs> but I don't blame them. You know, mm. they're gonna try to win, and you know that's my goal too. So, uh, to compensate, um, I started doing strength and conditioning. Mm. So, I would wake up at five thirty in the morning. I would ride my bike over to where the gym was, uh, Legacy Fit in Miami, and you know, train from six to seven or six to seven thirty, And then I'd ride my bike back to my house and get ready for work. And then, you know, either drive or ride my bike to work. And, um, you know, if I did ride my bike, I'd have to throw a change of clothes in my backpack because Miami <laughs> is just, you know, it is humid. <laughs> it is, it is in the Caribbean. Well, it is not on the United States. I've heard that it's the nation's armpit. Is that? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. No, Miami <laughs> is. Well, it's definitely sweaty enough to be the armpit, <laughs> but it's a lot. I'd say it's a little more elegant than that. Okay. <laughs> like, it's... I think there are some very humid towns in Texas that are probably more the armpit of, <laughs> of the You're... United States. I don't doubt you. Like, I went to Austin last year, and that was. We had a couple of days of like real humidity before it broke, mm -hmm. and there was a breeze. Yeah, and I was. Oh, I yeah. was happy. But like, yeah. Honestly, I don't know how people deal without breezes. It's. <laughs> yeah. It's the well, worst. Austin wasn't. It's not near as bad as how Miami can get sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, it's once you adjust to it, it's kind of fun and nice. You just mm. you can't count on having straight hair ever. <laughs> I mean. I feel that now, like, like I was saying before, we've, we're experiencing a mini heat wave here and it's the worst uh, feeling in the world. Like, I have to wear, like, <laughs> as little clothes as I can, but it means that my hair's, like, ridiculously frizzy. It's on my shoulders. It's always sweaty and it's not fun. Mm, not fun yeah, at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, that's Miami in a nutshell. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was life. So, um, it's true. Yeah. Did you get to go to the beach? Uh, work a, a little bit. You know, it's surprising. It's you know, I think this is the case anywhere you live. Is mm. you know, normally if it's so close to you, you're not going to go as often as you think. This is true. Like I don't live that far right? from Stonehenge, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, right. So I went quite a bit, but not as often. You know, I wasn't there every day or every week even. Because mm. um, like, and the... part of that, 
was because I was just training so hard. You know, anytime, any spare chance I got, I was sleeping. <laughs> I feel that in my bones. Like, <laughs> yeah. at, the, at the minute, sleep is kind of my biggest thing. Um, like, I, I definitely, before lockdown, I was definitely not sleeping enough because I was mm-hmm. training till about half nine, ten in the evening, getting home, showered, have something to eat real quick, yeah. and then going to bed. So that's like, takes me to 11 and then I was up at four to go to work. So oh, it's like wow. Maybe five hours. And like, yeah. Honestly, people think I'm silly for really enjoying my 10 hour flight to Australia, but I got to sleep a little bit. Right. And it was nice. <laughs> yeah. It was very nice. It was more than five yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but now like, I get seven, eight hours a night. I feel very privileged. <laughs> right. And right. I got very upset when my work were like, so do you want to come back? I'm like, um, can I not work from home forever? And just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to be there, do I? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so like with the, like the only reason I ask about the beach is because obviously mm. um, jujitsu has um, like ties with uh, like surf culture and all of that. And you, you hear stories of like, um, uh, the Gracies like training on the beach all the time but I don't know maybe that was just to start fights and stuff with people <laughs> maybe I mean there's definitely was you know a lot of my teammates would spend quite every weekend at the beach you know um, some of them didn't have nine to five jobs <laughs> you know? that helps. so yeah that helps and you know that was kind of I've always you know I grew up in um, kind of more in the mountain area. So the beach was fun, you know, but it didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't addicted to it. You know, I, I didn't have to be at the beach. Mm. Um, uh, so it was fun and, you know, I would go every, every now and then and hang out with the fight sports crew in South beach and, you know, whoever else, sometimes I'd go alone, I'd bike out there. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't every day, you mm. know, I, I was focused at that time. I was, focused on you know becoming a, a champion mm. and so I after work I'd you know I'd have my nine to five job and I would pedal back to my or drive back to my uh, house and then bike out to fight sports again which was not too far from where the gym was and that I did strength training in the morning and I would take I would do two classes in a row so that's a good solid two and a half three hours of training nice get done bike home eat something and go to sleep and do it all over again it sounds like a fun life and like while they're working on tan you're working on technique so it doesn't really matter it all balances out in the end yeah yeah (laughs) right I definitely felt like superwoman at that time (laughs) so and I don't think I would have if I hadn't been getting enough sleep (laughs) and (laughs) The weekends were sleep and, you know, any, any spare hour. I just, I was on a very regimented schedule, sleep. See, I wish I'd had that knowledge <laughs> growing up because <laughs> yeah. I very much didn't. It was just like, sleep whenever you feel tired. And it's like, huh, I never feel tired. It's fine. I can stay up <laughs> till 3 a.m. playing video games. <laughs> and then go to work at four. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <Just go straight laughs> no. There. 
I would be a zombie. <laughs> oh, I was a zombie. <laughs> I very much was. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I took, I took my youth for granted. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do in, in various ways. <laughs> Squandered on video games. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, was it Cyborg who gave you your brown belt? Yeah. Yeah, so I received my brown belt from Cyborg. Um, and then I, not too long after that, I kind of decided that I wanted to move back to the West Coast. Um, that was where I was from. It was closer to my family. You know, being out in Miami was fun and, and I loved my team. But every time I wanted to go to a tournament, it would be a $500 flight to back to the West Coast. And then, you know, not to mention hotel and you know, this and that. And, and each time I wanted to compete, that was a grand mm. that I was just throwing. And, um, you know, being on the West Coast, everything's right there for the most part. Mm. Um, aside from, you know, some of the tournaments in New York or, you know, international tournaments, which international tournaments, I, I wish I had taken more advantage of those while I was out in Miami because it's just an easy flight out to like Portugal or, you know, there to the UK or, you know, even Brazil and God, but uh, yeah, so I decided to move to the West coast. And unfortunately that was around the same time that, uh, professor Galvao and, and cyborg were facing each other at the ADCC super fight in China, I believe it was. <laughs> wow. And so I'd already made my decision and I hadn't really told anyone yet. And, and then, um, you know, Professor uh, defeated Cyborg, and that was when Cyborg had that case of, oh, it was like heart attackia, like heart palpitations. Yeah, there was a period there. I think he, I mean, surely he must have, you know, figured out how to manage it because now he's mm. just doing amazing in all of these tournaments. Um, I know. But yeah, we were, I was watching it. I mean, we were all watching the ADCC super fight on the mats at Fight Sports and, you know, Cyborg didn't look like Cyborg, mm. you know, and, and Professor got the win, uh, Professor Galvao and, you know, and we were like, what? That wasn't, that wasn't Cyborg, something's wrong. Mm. And so, um, you know, it turns out he had, had like, um, you know, these kind of, I don't, I can't even explain it. I just, I think it, it has something to do with his heart. So it affected his ability to breathe really. And so he just, mm. he wasn't out there a hundred percent. Um, regardless, you know, uh, professor one and, you know, I, when he, uh, cyborg came back, um, you know, I'd already made my decision and I was about ready to leave and, and go to the West coast. And so I was terrified. Um, I was terrified <laughs> of, you know, telling cyborg that, I was leaving to the West Coast, and I was probably going to train with this, <laughs> you know, at at Autos, and you know, you just lost to him and rubbing salt in the wounds because here I was, you know, one of his competitors going to the enemy, which you know that was a silly, silly thought to think because mm -hmm. Cyborg is, if you've ever met him, oh, just a wonderful guy. You know, every time I see him, you know, he totally understood. You know, he understood my reasons and. You know, he wished me the best and he gave me a huge hug and, 
every time he sees me at the tournaments, he gives me a huge hug. And, oh, it's just, Cyborg is, you know, I I can't say enough about him. He is, (laughs) you know, and I'm like a big scary teddy bear if you get him on the mat. But, like, (laughs) just wonderful. Um, So I I really appreciate, you know, everything that he did for me and, and has done for me. And he always lets me know whenever I'm, you know, Bath even visiting in Miami, you know, come by a fight sports. Well, I have no, I have no choice. I have to come back and <laughs> come by a fight sports if I'm in Miami. I think it would be really bad if I did. Um, but yeah, I, I packed at the time. So I had sold my 1970 Volkswagen Beetle. I had bought a 1970 Volkswagen bus. Ooh. And that's an entirely different story. Um, because I had bought it in Arizona several, probably half a six months previously and uh drove it you know untested <laughs> from arizona to miami uh with my aunt my aunt heather who's my you know she's my namesake or i was named after her and um yeah i had a bus and i was retrofitting it and i was i also had a cat you know a cat had adopted me on the streets oh. and so I packed everything up and for two weeks I drove, I I took my time this time, two weeks I drove from Miami back to the West Coast with a cat and I stopped at various academies and trained. How was that experience? Oh, it was incredible. When you were going through like all of these different towns and these different academies, um, were you like one of the only women like training at these gyms or like one of the higher ranked women at that point there were most of the academies i stopped at had women but i was definitely one of the higher ranked women you know that had Mm. come through there um so again i was very welcome and some of the academies you know i had reached out previously and, and said hey you know i'm coming by can i stop and you know they're always absolutely you know and uh so it was it was fun, you know. I stopped in New Orleans. I stopped in um, in Dallas, Texas. I I headed up. Um, I went back to Colorado and stayed a few days with my um, I call him my brother from another, uh, Seth Rodenbaugh. He I I lived with him for the two years or most of the two years that I was there at grad school in Colorado. No rent, you know. He just said, you know, you stay as long as you like. I helped him take care of the animals and his plants and, you know, took care of the house. And, you know, he was just, he was my brother. You know, he he is my brother. And so I visited him again and all his little critters. um, And then I went south and stopped at my parents' place and dropped my cat off (laughs) because (laughs) I knew I was going to San Diego and I didn't know whether I was going to stay in the bus full time or not. And I was afraid that he would get out and just disappear. Mm. Um, and so being on the ranch is, you know, infinitely better than living in a bus, I think for, you know, a cat. And, uh, so I left him with my mom who became very attached to him. His name's Mr. Fleabag. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. such an affectionate please, name. <laughs> please for short. And, um, uh, then I I moved to San Diego, yeah, and I stayed at the fighter's house for a couple of months um, with Josh Hinger and, you know, started training that also. 
how was it to be reunited with Josh after like so many years? Like, was it a bit of um, like a full circle thing for you? It's like, oh, I remember you. Like, did you know it he was, was going to really be cool. there when you? Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I definitely knew he was going to be there. Um, you know, I knew that he had he had moved back out to California and and started training with a, a professor. He actually received his black belt from um, from Galval. Uh, because he was a brown belt when he was in Indiana and he was training at this Atos affiliate and Andre kind of knew about him and trained with him several times and then gave him his black belt and Josh moved back to California and you know we had kept in touch here and there and when he knew that I was kind of thinking about moving to the west coast again and I hadn't really kind of decided where um, he said come out to Atos you know you need to be out out here so I was like, all right, well, that's where I'm going. And um, <laughs> so it was kind of neat, you know, reuniting with, with Josh. We've had our ups and downs. Um, you know, he's he's a very intense individual and really brilliant. And, um, you know, uh, I love him to death, um, but he's very opinionated. And, uh, you know, I think for some people, he's a little bit of acquired taste. <laughs> but just a really just a very awesome guy you know Mm. um very talented very smart you know just you know very awesome and um so reunited with him and started training in octos and um a couple months in i i decided to kind of move out of the fighter's house and i to establish residency i kind of moved into an apartment for a little while um not a few, probably about 10 or 20 blocks from the beach. And again, didn't use it as much as I thought (laughs) I would, but you know, (laughs) I was there. Um, Then I moved back into the bus and I was in the bus for a good year and a half at, in San Diego. And plus, you know, several months before I left for San Diego and Miami. And then a couple months after I left San Diego. So, I've lived in the bus for, her name's Bonnie Clyde. I lived in the bus for a good, almost two years. Not consecutive, but hmm. about two years. Yeah. See, it sounds fun, but I'm pretty sure it's harder than it sounds <laughs> to live in. It is. It's challenging hmm. in some ways, but also very liberating in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't have to worry about neighbors you know <laughs> neighbors well yeah sort of <laughs> I definitely slept on you know the side streets and you know there were people walking past and you mm. know sometimes I would get waken up um by by people kind of rapping on the windows being assholes and um or you know I've I've been told to move the vehicle by a couple police officers so that was fun um, cause technically you're not allowed to habitate in your vehicle in San Diego County <laughs> or Orange County. <laughs> so wow. uh, a lot of people do it. You have to be stealthy about it. And there are certain, you know, after living in it for two years, you know, you learn where you can park and where you can't. <laughs> 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 and, uh, you definitely um, have a lower uh, 
expectation of how clean a bathroom, a public bathroom should be. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, That's fun. And, uh, but it wasn't too bad. You know, I, I had my gym and then I had a membership to this fitness club that had showers and I showered at the, at Autos and I also, you know, did some yoga, hot yoga and they had beautiful showers and really nice smelling shampoo. So I would do a lot more yoga than I probably would have otherwise. <laughs> Cause they had showers and shampoo. <laughs> Well, if there's anything that's good, uh, it was a good life. <laughs> <laughs> so the the transition from um uh what is it uh is it fight sports yeah fight sports to Atos like were the environments like drastically different in like the uh the training styles or like were they like fairly similar like. I assume because they're both I think it was, like from high level competitors, like they have a similar level of intensity. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, I think they were pretty similar. Um, I, because I was, I had a nine to five job. I never could make the competition classes. Mm. So I couldn't compare the competition classes at fight sports with the competition classes at autos. Cause I just, I, I never did a competition class at fight sports. Mm. I know that the classes were super intense the training was intense so I can only assume that they were pretty similar in that regard um and so I it was just kind of like putting on a glove you know uh that was made for me I I went to Autos and you know I started training at the comp classes and they were on a different level of intensity so that <laughs> took a little bit to adjust to but I was I've always been game so mm. you know I you know I just adjusted to it and you know, I grew in a lot of ways. I, I grew in in ways. I grew a lot at fight sports, and then I grew in in different ways at at autos. And you know, it was man, it was just a different experience. I I mean, both of those academies kind of really develop who I am as an athlete, as a competitor. Mm. And um, you know, the fight sports was a little more, I would say a little, there was a lot more of a, like a culture there. You know, everybody kind of hung out at, at uh, on the beach and everybody did this and that. And there were dinners and this and that. And I think that was just partly because it was Miami, you know, there, mm. that was the Miami culture. It's a very Latin culture. Everybody kisses each other on the cheek and hugs and you just meet somebody for the first time and you're kissing this person on the cheek, which is, you know, in these days and times with this coronavirus <laughs> sounds horrifying, but it's really like I, I missed it. You know, I missed it quite a bit when I moved to San Diego because it's a little bit more of a, a white, very standoffish, mm. you know, you know, you shake your hands and you sit, you wave high, um, kind of culture. Um, how many people, a little more American. How many oh, people did you try so to kiss times. before they told you no? I had, <laughs> well, they didn't tell me no, but it was always a little awkward when I went in there, except for the Brazilians. The Brazilians, it was just like natural because that's what they do, you know, in hmm. Brazil anyway. But, um, you know, definitely like I had to stop myself and then I kind of gradually got out of the habit, um, which is unfortunate because I, you know, I really enjoyed being warm and, hmm. you know, expressive. <laughs> 
but autism was, you know, it was a very different, um, you know, for me. And in a lot of ways, like I said, it was just, it was different. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I, same level of training and, and expectations for, you know, performance. Um, what I thought was really interesting with uh, the comp classes is how incredibly well professor designs a comp class. You know, he has these, these different drills and these different ways of, you know, organizing you during, uh, during training or, you know, shark tanks and what we're going to work on this and that. It was very strategic and, and methodical, Mm. which was, awesome for me because that's that's how I am you know in my academic life and and how I you know how I work you know I'm very methodical and very you know step by step and this is going to be this way because of this this is going to be this way because of this we're drilling this because of this and this is going to do this um so there's it just it very it resonated with me the training um so I really grew as a, a competitor and also as a coach because, you know, professor is just one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think, mm. you know, the way he took coaches and the way he breaks down things, um, you know, I've, I've taken and internalized a lot of those things in my own coaching. Mm. So. So I was going to talk to you about competitions, but oh. in- instead first, <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> quickly talk about coaching because I got to experience your coaching firsthand when we met at the Australian Girls and Geese camp and you were one of the first instructors that I met who actually started the um, discussion with concepts rather than uh, like just straight up technique. Um, Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that I'd really um, been accustomed to and up until that time and like since then everything you've told me has held me in great stead so um, oh nice good to know I mean like it it feels everything you said was just um it feels like it's just simple logic but it wasn't until (laughs) you actually told like until you actually said it I was like oh yeah yeah you're right people are like tables yeah (laughs) yeah right (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah people do have to follow the laws of motion you're correct yeah, yeah. huh who'd have thought i'd get a science lesson <laughs> yeah. yeah and that was actually you know i rolled that out at um the australian girls and geese you mm. know before you know i i would teach this technique and this technique and this technique even though the way I learned was via concepts and these overarching principles and and then I would link the technique to it mm. um and so I and I didn't you know <laughs> to be honest when I went to out there to Australia I had no idea what I was going to teach you know <laughs> I was going to see what everybody else te- taught and I had a few things in my bag and I was like well I'll just I'll I'll figure it out you know as I go, but I kind of quickly kind of saw as I was, you know, rolling with some of the other girls and, you know, even before Australia, when I was, you know, anytime I would kind of give tips to, to anybody, I, I re- realized that people, they were doing that. They had 
an understanding of a step-by-step way of how to do a technique, but they, a lot of them didn't know why, why do this and what versus Mm. that, you know, what was going on? You know, the table principle, I I can't tell you how many times I've explained the table principle, but I will never tire of it (laughs) because it it works, you know, that's, you know, and being able to, yeah, relate it, Mm. you know, that's something somebody can visualize and and relate and I think I, I get that from my dad um he is like the master of metaphors <laughs> like <laughs> he has clients from you know he'll have clients that range from lawyers and doctors to bus drivers and somehow he can come up with a metaphor that they can relate to as it relates to riding horses and I was like how in the world but <laughs> And I'm not that good. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I could relate jujitsu to bus driving, but I can definitely um, understand how those metaphors, power of those metaphors mm. in, in allowing somebody to understand it because it's taking something, you know, that they understand a table and they can visually see a table falling or take a leg out, you know, mm. um, to jujitsu, which is this, in a lot of ways, this really you know, some of these techniques look like gobbledygook, you know, <laughs> when really they're very simple if you break it down to their essential elements, mm. the principles and the concepts. Yeah. Like, uh, since then, <clears throat> excuse me, like most of the jujitsu that I do since then has been very concept based. Like mm-hmm. now when I, I watch my instructor teaching a technique, I ask myself the questions like okay mm-hmm. what's that what's the outcome that's looking to be achieved like it's not oh I'm going to perform an Americana it's like I want to put um like uh I want to put stress through the shoulder so mm-hmm. like it doesn't need to be me sat on top or me sat on the side like your placement doesn't matter as much as what you're trying to accomplish so yeah it's exactly it's helped me a lot um because one of my good friends and I um are very big fans of wrist locks and since I started um since I got my blue belt that's something that I focused on and what better concept for dirty dirty technique (laughs) I mean dirty technique (laughs) I like it I apologize (laughs) (laughs) but I will say I've never caught one in competition ever but I do catch Uh people at the gym (laughs) so that's fine (laughs) and it's always the sneaky dirty ones like yeah from from an americana when they can't move their hand it's like yep there you go have one of those yeah (laughs) but just understanding what you're actually trying to accomplish and then Mm -hmm. thinking about it in a different way like it changes everything about how you approach the sport and yeah it a massive revelation for me so very thank you very much oh good I, that's that's so exciting to hear i'd like to you know sometimes i talk and talk and i i never know if i really get to anybody but it's it's exciting to hear that it's really kind of changed your game mm. well it's been like 18 months since i last met you and i'm still talking about it now <laughs> like, oh, um, anytime i've been asked to teach a class like they're always the things that I start with. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, thank you very much. <laughs> no, you're for building welcome. My game I'm for excited me. to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't build your game for you. 
You know, I just gave you ideas you for did. you to build your own game. I mean, yeah. and now it's a pretty fun game. <laughs> Good. And like, so I, I was. You just it should be fun. Exactly. I was having this conversation with um, Jess Fraser. Um, I I spoke mm-hmm. to her on this podcast as well, and I was just saying like the biggest um the biggest revelation for me came when I told myself I'm a hobbyist, not a competitor. Like I'm never going to win anything at the highest levels. And like, because I don't train full time, I know that I'm only ever going to be a hobbyist. So that took all the Mm -hmm. pressure off me. (laughs) And now I get to train for fun and I get to do the things Mm -hmm. that I enjoy. And it's, it sparked new life (laughs) in my joy for the sport. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. That's wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> so so many people burn out before they make those realizations. Yeah, it's weird. Like the, I, I understand it. Like there is a lot of pressure, and it's pressure that you put on yourself <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. Like at white belt, like especially when it comes to competition, like you have people putting undue stress on themselves because they think that people are going to look down on them if they lose or something. But like. Mm. Jiu-jitsu is one of those great sports where it doesn't matter. <laughs> like people, mm-hmm. people only care that you try. That's all they matter. Yeah. All that matters. <laughs> but it's such a weird concept for people to wrap their heads around. And like because you don't really have, um, like, obviously keep people keep track of their wins and losses, but you don't have like an overall record in jiu-jitsu. No mm-hmm. one's gonna go well at white belt. You lost this many matches, so these are gonna stay with right. you forever. <laughs> like, no, like. <laughs> Everyone understands that every competition is a it's a step to you becoming better at the sport. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all people strive for. Just be better. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. <laughs> well, jujitsu is weird, but you mm. know, there's a bunch of weirdos, and and I love all the weirdos that do it. You know, for sure. Um, so. Obviously, you coached at um, the Eger camp. You, you've coached a few Globetrotter events as well. Is that right? Yeah. So I did. Uh, my first one was in Heidelberg, Germany. And um, that was. I did a workshop on that concept, principles and techniques. So that's right. It was um, I, I believe I did that before I went out to Australia. And then I did one out in um, in my home state of Arizona recently. And I was going to do the Arizona camp again. And then the world just, you know, <laughs> caught on fire. <laughs> um, so that's been postponed. So I've done two so far. Um, but I was, I was chatting with Christian on his podcast. And I realized that I sent him an email back in like, shoot, 2000. I think it's been five, six years now, 2015 or 14, like telling him, Hey, you know, I, I love the idea of his, his globetrotters thing. And, you know, I'd love to support however I can, you know, and mm. he sent me, <laughs> we laughed a little bit because he, he sent me like three patches for free and, <laughs> you know, and that was way back when, and then I was ecstatic about the patches. I still have one <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Um, but it was kind of cool to see, you know, I've, it, it's, and that, that's kind of one of those things that I, I support, you mm. know, is I support 
the idea that jujitsu is for everyone mm-hmm. and that there shouldn't be politics and you know regardless of where you train or who you train under you know um we're all doing this thing called jujitsu that we have great passion for and that unites us mm-hmm. you know and and that's kind of been my life philosophy is you know it's um I don't believe in politics and you know yeah I'm being an autos black belt is an incredible accomplishment mm-hmm. um you know but I don't think I'm any better than any other black belt in the world you know I, and I I don't think I'm in better than any other belt in the world. You know, I've, I've know enough that there are people out there who ha- are white belts and they have already lived these incredible lives, mm. you know, and that they're a black belt in life, <laughs> regardless of what color they wear, or, you know, around their teeth. <laughs> and that's been, you know, something that I, I kind of support and try to, you know, encourage the development of is, yeah, you have these kids that are, you know, training full time and, you know, they're in on track to become these world champion black belts, but man, do mm. something else too, you mm. know, make sure that you're well-rounded human being, you yeah. know, otherwise if you get hurt or something happens and, you know, maybe the universe decides that jujitsu isn't your thing, or maybe the universe decides to throw a virus at the world, <laughs> like <laughs> be able to support yourself and have some other passion to kind of keep yourself sane. Mm. I'm all for that message. Like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, most of my life outside of work and jujitsu is just nonsense. So, like, it's good <laughs> that I have those two things to ground me. Uh huh. <laughs> but like, it is. It's super important just to have something else to fall back on. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. just to relax, because, like, I don't know about you, but like for me. When I started jiu-jitsu and up until, like, not so long ago, it was, like, all-encompassing. Like, I was thinking about it all the time. And it was taking up a mm-hmm. lot of my life. And it's very difficult to relax when you're thinking about, like, uh, how certain techniques work or, um, like, how you were caught with something, like, earlier on in the day or some, something mm-hmm. like that. So there are times where it can feel like it's intruding on the rest of your life. So it's very important to have other things that you can just uh, mindlessly do. <laughs> while you oh think yeah. About these Take things. a mind break from absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that kind of being able to take yourself away from that refreshes you a little mm. bit. And, and especially, you know, if you're forced to kind of take a break from jujitsu and maybe before you took that break, you were kind of jujitsu was just like, Oh, I got to get up and I had to go to class. Oh, this, it shouldn't, life shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't mm. be like, Oh, I got to do this. And, um, you know, even those breaks or even having something else to do allows you to come back to jujitsu and be like, Oh yeah, nice. Mm. You just did today. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like you shouldn't be going to your class going, Oh, <laughs> no. <Jiu-jitsu. laughs> Although, Ugh. Sometimes when you're after a couple of comp classes and you feel really <laughs> broken, like I, I really have to kind of get myself up and it's not the jujitsu that I dread. It's like being smashed by some of these other killers. <laughs> it's like when I'm already feeling really smashed anyway, <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm choosing this? to do this. I'm choosing to be in this much pain. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's fine. It's only an hour. It's only two hours. It's only three. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I can cry afterwards. That's what showers yeah. are for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about competitions now because, like, you were very um, – like active in the competition scene in the last few years from mm -hmm. what I've seen and was it last year you got the Nogi gold at Nogi Worlds? Two, it wasn't gold so I um I'm a gold medalist in brown belt gi Ooh. and I've hit the podium I can't tell you how many times <laughs> <laughs> not at the top but hit the podium um, numerous times in both gi and no gi and it was yeah last year at uh, 2019 no gi world that I got the closest I've ever been to to that gold medal um, I was in the finals with uh, Talita Allen Carr and um, yeah it was a great match uh, Josh was in my corner and you know I, I felt good I felt strong I felt you know I felt like I'd really kind of come into myself as a competitor and, you know, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and sometimes the cards are in, you know, aligned correctly. And, mm. you know, I, I, uh, Felisa was able to get, you know, a couple of, I think a couple of points on me. Um, I'll have to go back and watch the, the film, but, um, you know, it was that close, so mm. close to, to winning the gold medal and as a black belt and, you know, I'd been two years prior, my first year at Nogi Black Belt Worlds, um, I was in the finals as well against Jenna, Jenna Bishop. Um, but it's, man, it was, it was so close and, and so, so heartbreaking, but also mm. really encouraging at the same time, because, you know, being as an, a master athlete, Mm. You know, having just moved, I had moved out to back home to Tucson, uh, not too long before that. And, um, you know, I was, I was still, you know, I was, I'm still able to bang with these, <laughs> these girls, you know, that go out and do just do their life. Whereas I am still working mm. pretty much full time, still working full time, still kind of doing jujitsu. And, you know, even though I don't live in the bus right now, that's kind of nice. Um, <laughs> gonna make training and being able to sleep a little easier and take my restorative nap um naps are but king. it was kind of cool oh my gosh naps are everything <sighs> um but i had also you know i had i started training at this 10th planet gym here in in tucson and uh, i trained at a couple different gyms here in tucson just because that's <laughs> who i am <laughs> <laughs> um but the 10th Planet Gym, I, I kind of reunited in, with Tony Burchek, who we went to high school together. And then, you know, unknowingly, I bought this house and just down the road is his gym. And I walk into his gym and I was like, I know you. <laughs> and um, started training with him. He's a, he was a D1 wrestler and he's a former UFC fighter and incredible wrestling and 10th Planet. So incredible leg locks. And, and so those my wrestling and my leg locks were two things that I kind of had neglected throughout my career. And, and here he was, you know, um, 
a pre-made training partner and who could teach me parts of my game that I wanted to improve on and and I could teach him parts of his game that he he needed to improve on and you know it was kind of it was nice to be mm. able to go and and be learning these cool new things with no pressure to really you know be an autos athlete mm. um even though I'm I'm still very much an autos athlete and I I proudly represent the team mm. at these tournaments but it's kind of fun to kind of be this uh it's kind of much of a jujitsu <laughs> person with all of these really random <clears throat> things that I have in my game <laughs> that are it's not strictly autos it's not strictly fight sports it's not strictly 10th planet it's you know just this you know this this Frankenstein of a game that works for me well that's what everyone's game is like yeah <laughs> This is one of my um, issues with the whole, um, like, crayonch thing we were talking about earlier on, where people like, <laughs> yeah. no, you can't go to other gyms. Like, the only oh thing you're going <laughs> to, the only thing you'll build are carbon copies of yourself. And mm -hmm. the only thing that they, like, they won't gain anything from it. Because if, if your game doesn't suit them, then they're going to be yeah. terrible. So who, right. who are you helping here? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm very, I, I share your opinion on the sport. Like you need travel to broaden your horizons and to understand what's Absolutely. out there and what you actually enjoy. And like the community itself has so many resources now that like you could just go online and get an instructional and go, mm -hmm. that's something that looks like it would fit my game perfectly. Of course yeah. I want to learn oh, these absolutely. cool leg locks and stuff. Mm -hmm. But like I can imagine... <laughs> like training like 10 15 years ago where all you had was like a i don't know like a, a braulio esteemia uh vhs that you had to yeah <laughs> just like 45 minutes of him taking you through techniques like oh what was that one thing that i really enjoyed nah let's rewind for an hour <laughs> yeah rewind yeah <laughs> life was hard yeah honestly i don't know how people lived in black yeah. and white it's crazy i don't know <laughs> these kids these days they take it for granted you know being able to go like flip to this this oh technique and that technique it's insane <laughs> and learn from all of these greats right right on your own computer I like, know. What? <laughs> they don't know how good they've got it honestly i can't no. wait to be an old person i complain so much <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be you really just good. Slide at right it. into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already there. I just need to age like forty years. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a competitor, what would you say has been like your? There are a few things I want to ask. But I'm gonna start with what do you think your best performance was at competition? Like, was there a certain? Was there like one? Um, like match that you've had that really stands out where you're like yes that's where I left everything out there like mm. you achieved what you wanted to achieve and everything was amazing well I mean there there have been matches that you know just were brawls and I took it and I left everything out there and I took it to the end but there are also I think the ones that are most memorable um, are those in which you know, there's quite a bit, I, I kind of just found that 
that zone. Mm. You know, you, they talk about the zone in, in competition and being able to, to have this hyper awareness and super re- relaxation. Um, and I think the, the match before the finals match was, was that way. Um, it was against this uh, Brazilian girl and she's really tough. And, you know, I was able to just do exactly what I had been training my, my past path to knee bar. And it was gorgeous. You know, I was able to, you know, un- like she was giving me some trouble with her other leg, you know, trying to kick the other leg off. And I just stuffed it and clamped it down with my other leg. And I effectively, um, you know, trapping it. And I was able to just take that knee whenever I wanted to. And, um, you know, that was kind of a cool moment, you know, and, and even to see a uh, replay on, on, uh, on video. And then, um, you know, there was another match at the, the Vegas Open and it was at the same time that the Masters Worlds was going on and um I fought uh Tressa, so Talita um Noguera mm. and she's quite a bit bigger than me. Um and we were in the open division and it was first match and I think everybody kinda you know, they we stepped out on, on the mat and nobody thought I was going to win. And I think even the referee didn't think I was going to win. And I think he was probably friends with Tressa. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so, and I, you know, I had never cowed from, from fighting, you know, people of any size or, or any gender, you know, when I'm out there, you know, I'm just, just a fighter, mm. you know, I'm not female. I'm, I'm not, you know, a featherweight. I'm not this or that, you know, I'm, I'm just out there and I'm going, I'm a jujitsu fighter. And um, so I went out there and she, you know, was smashing me for a little bit and I kind of wiggled out the back and just uh, unconsciously went to for the guillotine and spun around and, you know, finished a beautiful guillotine. And everybody was just shocked. (laughs) And, and it was just another zone moment for me. So I, I can't like the, the most memorable fights are when I'm able to get into that zone, mm. you know, and, and I, I don't think anybody, I, I've tried to read a couple of sports psychology books about how to kind of put yourself into the zone and, and, you know, kind of practice on getting yourself there a little easier. But I think it just happens when you're able to be very confident in who you are as a, a practitioner and then being able to go out there with no expectations. I, I didn't expect to win. I didn't expect not to win, but I just expect, I was just there, you know, I was there yeah. and I was doing what I knew how to do. And, you know, I wasn't worried about, you know, not being prepared enough or not having, you know, enough technique. I just, I was there, you know, and I was able to execute and be in the moment, like fully in the moment. There was nobody else there except, me and my my opponent Mm. and it was just it's a cool really cool feeling Mm. um that is you know i can't describe it unless and and the only way anybody can really you know relate to it is if they've ever been in that zone too in in Mm. whatever it is whatever sport or whatever activity that they're doing Mm. like i've i've been there a few times in competition the one thing that really Mm -hmm. gets me is that my um my instructor gets very upset because I'm not listening to them at all. Yeah. (laughs) Why weren't you doing what I asked? What? You were talking? Huh? (laughs) Yeah. Damn it. 
I was in the zone. Well, most of my instructors know I can't hear. I can't hear <laughs> anybody off the mat. There are maybe two or three voices that I can hear, but mostly I can't hear. And so they just, <laughs> and luckily, like they know beforehand, I, you know, they might be yelling, but there's odds are I, I won't be able to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when it comes to competing, like what, what is it that, like you enjoy about competing that makes you want to do it again and again and again like is it just the thrill of um being put against people your size and weight who are like top of the top of the food chain let's say mm-hmm. <laughs> like what what what's your motivation for continuing to compete especially like with adults mm-hmm. i think it's just the you know, just challenging myself. Mm. You know, I, I think one of the things, you know, in life in general is I don't want to ever stagnate mm. in whatever it is, you know, intellectually, emotionally, physically, I don't want to stagnate. And being able to compete allows me those intense moments of growth, you know, and testing myself and seeing where I'm at and seeing how I have grown. Um, you know, as a practitioner and a competitor. And I get, you know, I get anxious and I get nervous just like anybody else. You know, I've learned how to manage it. And, you know, if I wanted to, I'd be like, fuck this. You know, I don't want to be anxious (laughs) and nervous. Like, I'm just going to train. You know, training's fun. Competing kind of, you know, there are some elements of it that really suck. Mm. Um. But it's, I think it's that challenge. I want to constantly improve. It's like an addiction Mm. and competing is, is part of that process is it it validates. Okay. I have improved. I have grown or it says, okay, you need to grow here because this is a hole. This is a glaring weakness. Mm. Um, so there is a little bit of a thrill on, on being on the mat and competing at the highest levels and, and, uh, you know, it, there's, it's always fun to like, you know, post something about it and get so much love and support from, you know, your social group. Um, but I compete for myself, you mm. know, for the most part. It's, you know, I just, I want to grow. You know, I want to be this incredible person that people remember. Um, yeah. And I think competing is, you know, for my journey, competing is a part of that. And part of becoming something more. For sure. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. When the nerves do hit, when do you experience them? Because I know for everyone, like, the nerves hit at different times. Like, for one of my friends, it's literally like a week leading up to the event. <laughs> yeah, and then when they get there, terrible. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, where did they hit you? I, before, when I, in my early career, you know, I would feel a little nervous a couple of days before and, you know, I'd be like, okay, I got to think of something else because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like in this perpetual state of butterfly stomach, <laughs> you know, for days before this competition. Um, and I've learned how to kind of manage it and keep my mind off of different things and just, you know, train and train. And I have this, um, you know, this kind of system that I go through 
um, before a competition. I try to train as long as I can before a competition just to keep my mind off the competition. And then when I get to the competition, I'm, you know, notoriously, notoriously gregarious. So I'll talk to everybody. <laughs> um, and that's part of my, my strategy is it keeps my mind off of what's coming up. Mm. And um, so when I get into the bullpen, you know, I have also a little process that I do that keeps my mind off of the fight ahead. So I really don't get nervous anymore until, you know, the, the ring coordinator kind of brings you to the mat in those few first few seconds before I step on the mat. Once mm. I step on the mat, everything's golden. I'm, mm. you know, it's just another day in the, at the office, but those first few minutes, like waiting for the, the referee to, to call you on, mm. that's when I'll get nervous. I'm yeah. exactly the same. Like, but it's taken a while mm. <laughs> to manage it to that. Like, I'm very fortunate in that my nerves have only ever been like standing on the edge of the mat waiting for the last match to finish and to be called on. So mm -hmm. like I'm very fortunate that that's where they hit me. Like I've never had an issue with people watching me fight. I've never had an issue like uh, prior to competition. Like mm -hmm. it served me very well. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I don't have to put up with half the nonsense that all of the other people seem to like suffer from. And like, there's nothing worse than entering into a, a competition match and then like getting to the ground and the person either on top or below you is super stiff because they're super nervous. Mm -hmm. They don't want to fail. Yeah. They don't want to do something. Yeah. It's like, I want to give you a hug, but I can't because we're competing against each other. <laughs> <I'm> yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do stuff to make them feel bad. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I kind of want to win as well. So, like, it puts right. me in a very difficult <laughs> position. <laughs> yeah. And that gets better. You know, blue belts, mm. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, um, you know, everybody was stiff yep. at blue belts. They were just clunky. And that was a horrible time <laughs> during my career because, you know, people weren't moving. <laughs> mm. And uh, so purple belt, people open up. And then brown belt, they open up. And then, you know, black belt's a mixed bag because some people are so... Height, they don't want to lose, so they don't move. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll get a match that's really super exciting and dynamic. So it's a mixed bag there. But yeah, it's it's hard. I, I can definitely sense when my opponents, you know, off their game or you know, a little nervous or or this or that. And you know, I recognizing that and recognizing that. Um, oh shit! Can you still hear me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, okay i uh accidentally touched some button there we go here we go <laughs> all right i'm back <laughs> um so it's like i don't know i can sense when they are uh they're that way and i know i'm gonna win mm. you know but at the same time i do like you said you you have compassion for this this person because you've been there and you know, you know what that feels like. And, and this is a person that, and especially at the black belt, all of my opponents are most of my opponents. Anyway, I know them, you know, and I have talked to them and we're friends off the mat and stuff, but you know, it's game on when we're on the mat. Mm. But like, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the sport. Like there are, I can't really speak for other sports, but one of my favorite things about this sport is like, I have some very good friends in the jiu-jitsu community in the UK 
And there have been a few times where we've had to meet each other in competition. And it's never like, oh, we're friends. It's going to be nice. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the hardest match you've ever had because yeah, I know you can yeah. take it. <laughs> right. So, like, they've been the best <laughs> matches I've ever had. And I love them even more afterwards mm-hmm. because we get to yeah. push each other more. And mm-hmm. we know that we can take it. It's good. It's yeah, fun. it really is. It's the magical aspect of jujitsu that that can mm. be the way it is. And you know? no one... And- gets mad no one like it doesn't damage relationships it doesn't do anything that's no like, oh you got me <laughs> right it's just brushed <laughs> off like oh i nearly had you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i need to go teach a comp class in about 10 minutes Ooh. um well yeah <laughs> i can't believe we've this been is speaking a good long it. chat <laughs> <laughs> i know i have more questions for you but it's fine we can wrap up here um okay the only i just want to finish with one thing and just yeah. ask outside of jujitsu have mm-hmm. you found that jujitsu has helped your life oh absolutely you know and and i was talking to my boyfriend about this um because he doesn't train and he has some knowledge of jiu-jitsu, but it's between jiu-jitsu and <laughs> actually driving a 50-year-old vehicle, um, <laughs> I've become a much more zen and patient human being, mm. I think. Because, you know, it's, in jiu-jitsu, when you rush, you usually leave yourself open for an attack. Mm. Um, and in, you know, driving a, a 1970 Volkswagen you know, you can't go anywhere fast, you know, and if you try, you're going to probably damage the engine and you just have to wait even longer. <laughs> um, but you just definitely has, you know, I've, I've always kind of interacted with people of all, all ages and all different backgrounds. So it, in that sense, it wasn't a revelation for me to kind of be among this community of people from, from all over the place. Um, but being able to practice jujitsu and, and constantly be in situations in which I'm getting smashed and maybe there's not a way out, but I have to calm myself down and think of a way out. Mm. Like that has, it's bled into every aspect of my life because I don't freak out about things. Mm. You know, I realize, okay, this isn't working. Take a breath. What's plan B? Mm. And that's jujitsu. You know, that's, that's the magic of jujitsu for me is, is that it's, you know, enabled me to, to deal with things that, you know, some people would freak out over, Mm. you know, and, and for me, it's just, I was able to think critically about it and relax. And this is, you know, there's, there's always a way, there's always a solution. There's some sort of solution to everything. And Mm. that's jujitsu, you know, is I might be getting smashed, but somebody can't smash me in all four corners. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't completely smash them. There's always a way out. I can figure out a way, even if I have to create a reaction in order to do it. And, uh, yeah. So if I would say that was probably the biggest thing that jujitsu has kind of given me is this ability to be Zen in, in whatever life throws at me. Awesome. That's a great, a great way to finish. Thank you very yeah, much good. for speaking to me. It's been awesome. Catching <laughs> Thank you, up Chloe. With you. Um, yeah. And- <clears throat> I don't know when the world's not on fire anymore. I, I'm going to have to try 
like there are a few people that I want to go visit in the states, so I'll see if I can uh-huh. come through Tucson and get beaten up. Please do. <laughs> you are always welcome. Mi casa es tu casa, as we say. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> well, thank right. you very much for speaking to me, and uh, yeah, I will speak to you again soon, hopefully, maybe. Yes, yeah, somewhere <laughs> down the road, whenever, wherever that might be. <laughs> Indeed. Right. I'm gonna say goodbye. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Bye. And take care. Bye. Bye.